Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Man, this could be fireable today. J.J. Redick, I got two words for you. My ass. You give me gas. That's the guy. He's talking about holding coaches accountable. How about these little puke NBA players who hate being accountable? And don't even get me started, which I already am, on the complete bullshit that Stephen A. Smith is saying black employees at ESPN have to be better. They can be worse and get promoted. And everybody knows it. I'm on one. Stay right here. Don't at me. Starts now. You know, it's a dirty little secret that really isn't a secret anymore, that there is a stark difference between African-American employees at ESPN and others. And the same thing in basketball, same thing ever. I didn't think we were supposed to talk about it. I thought we were always supposed to keep it quiet. Apparently, we can talk about it now. Stephen A. Smith has come out with some complete garbage. It's normal, but complete garbage. That Stephen A. Smith... And Pat McAfee are different. Yeah, they're different. Pat McAfee does not talk about Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith is such an insecure little bitch that all he does is mention McAfee. And make no mistake, he is completely threatened by Pat. And that's fine. I mean, that's human nature in most instances. All I ever hear Pat say is, hey, Stephen A. Smith. Hey, he's great. Hey, come on. I'll come on your show and give great content. Smith? Well, he's got to take little shots, death by paper cuts, because he's an insecure man. It's really interesting when you think about it. McAfee says nothing. Stephen A. Smith can't keep his, well, can't keep his mouth shut about McAfee. Here's the latest, and I'm going to talk about this. Now, is he as polished politically as me? No, because he has no desire to be, number one. And number two, if we're being honest, he's white. I'm black. He doesn't have to be. That's complete crap. I mean, black act, black assistant coaches were hired in basketball for years and years and years, and even now, with far less credentials, far less credentials. But you had to have a black guy. Sister, uh, AD will tell you, hey, Dan, come here. Uh, you got a black guy on your staff. Hey, look, I got these guys. No, you got a black guy. Okay. Not the best candidate, a black guy. If we're going to talk about this, and every coach right now is nodding their head, oh, yeah, been through it. And then the thing in college basketball is, well, you know, you can't fire African-American coach. I mean, they can do anything. This is such crap what Smith is saying. This is such garbage what Smith is saying. And at ESPN, it is off the charts the other way. How long was Jalen Rose on the network after he got a DUI? After he started calling out white boy wasted on the air? After he lied about deaths on the court? After he said a thousand racial things, African-Americans at ESPN and ESPN, Dave Roberts, who's African-American, knows this, and he is fighting it, according to people that I know inside ESPN. He is fighting the fact that guys like Smith and other African-Americans think they can come on a set and lay like this. I mean, I'm watching a guy named C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum, nice player in the NBA. He's literally... 
I'm watching Fat Damian Woody not wear a tie. I'm watching guys. They, the, the difference between white and black is white has to stay in line. African-American, you can do whatever the hell you want. And nobody, don't even try. Like, I get you're going to say that's racist, but Smith opened this up. And if we're going to talk honestly about it, everybody knows this. This is not something that is in question. This is known. In college basketball, it's been forever. Hey, man, you got to hire a black guy. But remember, if you hire an African-American dude, you can't get rid of it. Hey, got to hire got white guy. Hey, man, get your ass out of here. I mean, if we're going to talk honest. But I know we can't talk honest because some dumb guy will get offended that has a platform. Don't squelch speech to not offend the stupid. But if you're going to bring this up, at least be honest. Stephen A. Smith could have said, yeah, man, I mean, we got all these guys all the time on ESPN, racial slurs, racial innuendos against white guys. I mean, look at Dominic Foxworthy when he's on podcasts, how much he hates white dudes. Now, you think that would play as a white dude coming on our show, ripping on black guys? Of course not. And it shouldn't happen either way. And I wouldn't tolerate it on my show. But the fact of the matter is ESPN put it in motion. A few years ago, post-George Floyd world, we are giving, we will 1,000% give leeway to our African-American employees in speech, in dress, in everything. And Smith is just full of shit. And if you think, see, here's the deal with Smith. We all had this guy in our neighborhood. No chin. Can't play nothing, loud mouth, right? And they were always the most insecure guy. Look at right there, no chin. Couldn't play nothing. I mean, couldn't make a HBSU. I mean, just go look at Jason Whitlock's uh, expose on Smith. Couldn't play dead, nothing, no sport, but a loud mouth. We all have those in our neighborhood. We all have those in our life. We all have those in our business. I don't actually, but I just live in my, my, my basement. So what the hell do I know? But it's just amazing. And I've said this before, and I'll say this again. If you give a little, they're going to take a lot. Who's they? Anybody. Employees. NBA players. Business leaders. You give business leaders a little leeway in those ivory towers, little bit of leeway. To take a little extra bonus, they're not settling for one million. I'm telling you, you give people a little bit, you relax the rules a little bit, and they're going to take as much as they can. It's human nature. ESPN gave in a long time ago. I mean, let's be serious. You think the best person to talk about the NFL is Dominic Foxworthy after he goes on with Bomani Jones and rips on white guys? And here's the deal with Smith. Smith went on, I think it was CBS radio, back when he was trying to find a job. So he goes on CBS radio. And I think, well, no, he replaced Steve Saban, who was a very popular host, but he's a DEI guy, you know, at a time. This is before George Floyd, but you need a brother, so let's go. He's horrible. I remember turning the channel as I was driving downtown when he was off, and I'm like, thank God we don't have to hear this idiot again. But Dave Roberts and others at ESPN, Norby Williamson, they needed an African-American face, and they resurrected Chinless here. 
So Chinliss comes in, and he's great, right? He's loud, he's stupid, he's racist, he's all those things. But he evolves. He's smart. He evolves. He evolves into a guy that understands, hey, wait a second, I can't be too racist because I'm going to lose this audience, which is a lot of white folks. Smart. Puts a hat on, does different things. Really smart. Okay. Well, now the same people that hire him have to deal with this horse shit. I would love to be in a room with Jimmy Patero, who runs ESPN, Norby Williamson, who was under attack by McAfee, and that was good by Matt, good by Pat. I mean, it set the boundaries, I suppose. And Dave Roberts. Now, Dave Roberts, African-American dude that runs ESPN, basically the talent. He basically has been given reign over Smith, everything. And Dave Roberts, I have been told, is the one dude in there that is trying to maintain a standard. So Dave Roberts, I would love to be in there with these guys going, you know, this fucking hack. We resurrected his ass. And now he's out here lying. And we got to deal with this. Because I know Norby Williams. He's a pretty honest guy. I don't know Jimmy Patera, but I've emailed with him. And I know Dave Roberts. And they want ESPN to go well. So now they got to deal with this. And you're like, and it's, you don't deal with everything, but you deal when it's complete bullshit. Because make no mistake, ESPN has a lot of white employees that are going to be going, hey, wait a second here. We got to watch all the racist bullshit that you guys say on the air. We got to listen to all the racist bullshit that you guys said on the court in the NBA finals, lying about deaths and who was armed and who wasn't armed. And yet we're going to get criticized by this jackass. A lot of white employees are pissed off. Now, there are some, and Seth Greenberg's going to join us. I'm not even going to ask him because his answer is I just keep my head down and show up when they ask me to show up. But, see, Seth doesn't work in the building every day. Others do. And they're like, what the hell is this? And I guarantee you they got time after time after time where someone was late or stupid or racist. And Patero, this is what you don't understand. You guys think ESPN is just what you see on TV. ESPN is a college campus. And if I were sitting there as a white employee, I'd be like, hold on here. What are you talking about? I mean, you want to really talk? I got a job in TV because I knew what was going to happen. I think I told you this. When I interviewed at the Big Ten Network, Dave Repson and I interviewed. I did a, you did a halftime and you did analysis. He goes, that's the best interview ever. A guy that I really like, African-American dude named Quentin Carter. He set up who was going to be on the Big Ten Network at halftime. I never heard from him again. Repson's like, I don't know. They got to hire you. It's the best I've ever heard. This is a true story. I'm not bragging. This is a true story. So the list came out. X player, X player, X player, X player, some black, somebody, whatever. I mean, I wasn't on the list. And I looked at the list of guys, and I'm like, half of them won't show up on time. They'll f- get up. So I wrote Quentin Carter a really nice note. Hey, really nice. Thank you very much. Looks like you got a great roster, blah, 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 blah. You know what happened. You know exactly what happened. Halfway through the year, about this time of year, actually, a couple weeks left in the year, I get a call. Hey, Dan, can you come in on Tuesday and do half times with Jimmy Jackson and Dave Repson? Sure. Of course. I see Quentin Carter, African-American. I go, Q, what happened? He goes, come on, man. You know what happened. I said, I know exactly what happened. (laughs) See, the Big Ten Network thrived because Quentin Carter had a set, like, you're going to do this right. ESPN is going into shitter because of the exact opposite. And it's just black, it's white, it's everybody. But don't give me this shit that 
hey, look, I got to be better as a black man than McAfee because that's a complete, total lie. You can be worse and keep your job. You can be racist and keep your job. You can be late and keep your job as African-American at ESPN. Period. And everybody knows it. But Smith is so insecure. Smith is so ridiculous. He's so intimidated by Pat. He's so worried that Pat's going to get more fame, more money, and be the face of the thing that he just can't shut up about Pat. And he just can't shut up without making it racial because that's what stupid people do. Period. I should have just led with that instead of my stories. But I had a whole thing planned out here. I got it on paper. It's unbelievable. Speaking of stupid and entitled, let's move to a white guy. You know, the last thing in the world anybody in the NBA wants that's a player, anybody, is accountability. There isn't a single NBA player that gives a rat's ass, other than from, oh, no, I lied, other than from 10 to however many guys are on a team, 9 to however many guys, 12, to 9 to 12 guys. Yeah, they, they're going to be accountable because they can get cut. J.J. Redick absolutely roasted, I mean roasted, Doc Rivers. J.J. Redick, I said on Twitter, is a whiny-ass little punk. J.J. Redick was the guy, true story, that when he was in college, he was such a mess. Shashevsky's daughters, who are psychologists, had to write out for him every day. 7 o'clock, wake up. 7.03, brush your teeth. Seven, true, if, you, if I'm lying, I'm dying. I got that from Shashevsky's mouth. So this dude's always been a mess, but now he's a guy, right? Now he's a guy, and we're, you know, he's got the little fuckboy haircut, and we're all supposed to listen to JJ. Okay. All right, baby. Let's do that. Okay. Well, Reddick goes off. I mean, goes off on Doc Rivers. Okay, the team is three and seven. The team is three and seven, and Reddick talks about Doc Rivers never taking accountability, which is so funny to me, because when's the last time you heard an NBA player any of them, take accountability. Hell, LeBron James says, I don't like praise, but he's got King James tattooed on his ass or his back or both. I mean, these guys are so full of shit. And Redick is the number one dude in the media of being full of shit. And everybody, he is, my son said, Dad, you can't criticize it, J.J. Redick. You average three points a game. You know my answer to him was? Yeah, but I kicked MJ's ass. Go away. He's like, oh, jeez. So here's Reddick talking about Doc Rivers. Side note, real quick. No one's going to react to Doc's audio there. We've been yeah, seven minutes heard, oh. since we showed that audio. Nobody's going to react to Doc's audio. Do you want me to get it oh, hey, for you? He's doing. He's doing. Repeat it. I can repeat it. I've seen the trend now. I've seen the trend for years. What's the trend? The trend is always making excuses. Get Doc. We get it. Taking over a team in the middle of the season is hard. It's hard. We get it. Just like getting traded in the middle season is hard for a player. We get it. Mm -hmm. But it's always an excuse. It's always throwing your team under the bus. They lose to Memphis. Oh, it's his players. Memphis was playing G League guys and two-way guys. And then you look at his quotes over the weekend. Now he wants to take credit for the James Harden trade to the Clippers working out. He wants credit for that. There's just no <laughs> there's never accountability with that guy. Well, there's never say, accountability. Well, let me say a couple of things. <laughs> So the Bucs lost to a G League playing team, and it's the coach's fault? I thought this was a player's league. 
I mean, that's what I was told. I mean, I was told by guys like Reddick and these other guys that this is a player's league. We're all supposed to genuflect to the players. Why is it Doc Rivers' fault? He just got there 10 minutes ago. I mean, the player's been there the whole year. But it's Doc Rivers that is supposed to take accountability? Why isn't it the player? Hey, look, we lost to Virginia to go to the Final Four. I don't blame Coach Knight. I turned the ball over. Stu Robinson missed a shot. Uve didn't cut to the bucket when I fed him a layup. I mean, what are you talking about? Why is it that the accountability from J.J. Redick and other NBA players never goes to the players? It's like the accountability of Stephen A. Smith never goes to African Americans or Stephen A. Smith. It's always over here. Why is that? See, J.J. Redick's full of shit. See, J.J. Redick and other NBA players, the last thing in the world they want is to be held accountable for anything. We lost to a G League team. Ah, it's the coach's fault he just got here. What's he supposed to say? Oh, man, I should have coached better against the G League. I mean, I only got Giannis and these guys, but they don't want to play, so screw them. See, that's my problem with J.J. Redick and others. Look, I get it. Nobody's more accountable than a coach. I don't see a player with a record next to his name. I mean, you tell me, what's Michael Jordan's record? Six championships, but what's his record? I'll hang up and listen. You know, all you got to do is look it up, and you know what Doug Collins' record, Stan Albeck, who started out, and then, of course, Phil Jackson, you know what their record is. There's no accountability for a player, and the NBA is the biggest load of crap that there is. There is no bigger load of crap than the NBA for accountability. Which player have you ever seen get yelled at on a sideline by a coach? Man, I will quit, man. Shut up. So J.J. Reddick's out there. Well, Patrick Beverly, who's insane, and we love Patrick Beverly, but he chimes in. Let's hear or let's see from old P. Bev. Hey, this man, Doc, actually saved your career. Started you when no one else wanted to. And you retire, go to TV, and say that that's the NBA way. Now, Reddick has become a guy. Reddick's a mess. I mean, Reddick's a twerp. I mean, I don't give a damn, you know, what he shot or how he shot or whatever. But I watch him, and I'm like, man, is he full of shit. But anyway, he's not because he's a hero. Well, here comes Reddick back at Patrick Beverly. Everybody's got their own deal, right? Here it comes. Come on. Pat, my guy. You always got to say my guy to black guys. That's what white dudes always do. White guys always got to say my guy. We'll get somewhere down the road. Morgan Freeman actually talked about it in an interview with Mike Wallace about, well, how about we just say, hey, look, you're white. I'm black. But white dudes always got to say my guy. Did Patrick Beverly say my guy to him? No, of course not. But white dudes are so uncomfortable. I guarantee you, J.J. Reddick hired a consulting firm to see how do I respond to the angry African-American. That's what white dudes do because they're chicken shit. And nobody more chicken shit than J.J. Reddick. Pat, my guy. I had a four-year offer with player option for the same money to be a starter for a different team. F out of here, saved my career. Sure you did. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I had a four-year option. But you know what? You sign with Rivers, and he played you, and nobody else would. Of course he saved your career, you dolt. Of course he did. What's wrong with you? 
dumb. All right, Austin Rivers, son of Doc Rivers, chimes in. This is like as the world turns. This is some good ish. This is the ish that I live for. Let's hear from Austin Rivers. First off, I don't feel responsible to take off for my dad. He's a grown man. He could do his own thing. Uh, but in this regard, I just simply don't agree with it. Um, for someone who's not accountable, he seems to always be held responsible, considering he's the guy that's always fired when things don't go right. <laughs> he got fired in the bubble uh, for a 3-1 lead versus the Denver Nuggets, which in half his team didn't want to be there. They had players saying that their mind wasn't there. He had guys leave. That happened. Then he gets fired for losing to a team that was favored over him, which was the Celtics last year. Um, it seems like he's always responsible. It's just it's strange coming from J.J. And I have some love for J.J. You're my dookie. You know that. You're my bro. I love you. Um, it's just your best years were with the Clippers. I don't think he saved your career. I appreciate you, Pat. But I don't think it – I mean, I, this just seems a little bit weird. They're, they're 3-7. and seven. Dame's missed most of those games. Middleton's missed a lot of those games. They haven't even had their full team yet. We'll see what happens. The pressure is there. They do have to perform. But in terms of accountability, like, what, what are we doing here? Your best years in the NBA were when you played for him in the Clippers. Let's not forget that. I don't know if there's, like, frustration there or there's tension there between you. I know a lot of times we had to sit you towards the end of the game due to defensive reasons. But you had your best years as a starter there, especially our whole system was drafted around you because you're a shooter. You're not a guy who could put the ball on the floor. You were a strictly shoot guy. You're not like Clay Thompson or Steph who could put the ball on the floor. You were a guy who could catch and shoot. And you did it at a high level. Hell of a career, by the way. Big fan. But your best years were under him. It's just very ironic and kind of weird that you have this energy towards him in terms of him never, ever being accountable, considering he's always been responsible. Boy, is that good. Boy, is that good. I mean, I mean, that is so freaking good because a coach is responsible and accountable either by getting an extension or getting fired, period. And I got to tell you, um, it's amazing to me that you'd be that. What's J.J. Reddick's record as a player? Anybody know? Of course not. Uh, what is it? Anybody know? You can look up Doc Rivers's. Doc Rivers got fired. Look, accountability in the NBA is one thing. It is a contract for a player. It's more money. It's getting cut. For a coach, it's getting fired. And Doc Rivers, what do you mean he's not accountable? Because he said he just got here? You know what I mean? I mean, it is amazing. See, you got to understand something. This goes back to Clarissa Thompson. (laughs) Guys and girls get behind a mic. And guys and girls get a little arrogant because the guys at ESPN, hey, look, J.J. Reddick come out of nowhere and he's on all the shows and now he's doing the NBA Finals. Clarissa Thompson was just some little blonde girl at the Big Ten Network. Next thing you know, she's here. She's a little sideline girl running around. And now she's a host. They get cocky. They get arrogant. They get stupid. They do. Because they get a little fame in a new career. See, once you go into a new career, we all dealt with this. Seth Greenberg, I mean, if I really wanted to talk to Seth Greenberg about life, he'll tell you how I saved him. Because I saved his wife, his daughter, his kids by telling him, look, here's what's going to happen with your dad. He's going to become a star here. He's going to have a better life. But Seth had just gotten fired. Like, that's what happens. You're insecure in a new career. Reddick's out. He gets in TV. You're insecure. You get a little, wait a second, I must be pretty good. Guys at ESPN are promoting me. Now I can say stupid shit. It's the way it is. 
I know Andrew, my son. I only averaged three points a game in college, and he was a great player, but I was never a jackass. I mean, okay, I didn't go swimming with a woman in a pool. Bah. What are you going to do? You know what I mean? All right, this is starting to give me gas. All right, this is starting to – this is giving me a headache. The Charter School of Lowell. For some reason, we have decided that we've got to let transgender basketball, football, baseball players hurt little girls. I mean, for some reason. We gotta we, we we gotta allow this. Let's play the video that Riley this is from Riley Gaines is a kind of trans identified male player at Kip Acad- Academy in Maine, injured three girls before halftime, causing their opponent, the Lowell Collegiate Charter School, to quit. A man hitting a woman, according to Riley, used to be called domestic abuse. Now it's called brave. Who watches this and actually thinks this is compassionate, kind, inclusive? And what kind of guy is this that walks out there? Look at that guy on the left. I don't know why. Look at this guy. I mean, what kind of dude walks out there and thinks, even if you're transitioning, I mean, what kind of human being walks out there looking like that and decides, I'm going to play against little girls? Honest to God, now I don't give a damn if the LGBTQDC community comes at me. What kind of adult, what kind of teenager, what kind of low character schmuck thinks that they are so important? Well, I'm transitioning, so I can do whatever I want. No, you can't. Well, you can because that's what we do. But it just shows what a putch you are, what a fuck you are. No, it really is. Well, I can't believe you're calling somebody that age a fuck. Well, I am. I am. Because we need to stand up to this. Like, where's his parents? Hey, dude, you're not going to play against these girls. I know you're transitioning and we're all supposed to get excited and everybody, if we say anything against, then we're mean and we're putting you in day. Shut up. What kind of dude? There is nothing, I swear to you. I know maybe this guy is a girl. I'm sure he is. Because there's nothing. In an adult male with a penis is DNA that says, I'm going out there and playing against these little girls and throwing them down on the ground. There's nothing other than if you're a psychotic, crazy person. I don't know whether this person is or not. They're transitioning. Why do I say it like that? Because this pisses me off. And if you're going to be so disrespectful to other people like this guy is, then I'm going to be that disrespectful to you. All right, here's Casey Crane of the Collegiate Charter School. She says this, the bench was already depleted going into the game with a 12-player roster, having four players unable to play. When the coach saw three more go down the first half, leaving him with five players, he made the call to end the game early. So three players got hurt by these guys. The upcoming charter school playoffs were looming, and he needed a healthy and robust bench in four days. Nah. See, they're just afraid. They're afraid to say, you know what? It's complete crap. Garbage. That you allow these dudes to play against these little girls. It's garbage. You suck. Whatever federation it is. You suck ass. Whatever federation it is. For allowing this to happen. You parents of these clowns, you suck ass too for allowing this to happen. That's what they should be saying. They should be saying, look, 
We got guys out there that are bigger, stronger, by far not close, masquerading as girls, hurting our girls, and we ain't playing. And if you don't like it, suck it. Get your little flags, get your little banners, get your little fat, angry, purple hair and protest out in front of our school, if you would like. But suck it. That's what every single organization, team, individual should do to stop this idiocy. Look, you're transitioning. Good. Go play with the boys. It's simple. I'm all for it. I'm all for athletes transitioning and playing, but everybody should go play with the boys. Why does everybody play with the girls? When's the last time you saw a boy, or excuse me, a girl transitioning to a boy playing with the boys? Got some dude at Yale, softball, transitioning, girl to boy, playing with the girls. Why? Don't make no sense. I'm all for you, LGTQCB. I don't give a damn who you're screwing. And I don't give a damn if you play or not, but play with the boys. Pretty simple. That's my solution. Play with the boys. Why is that guy playing with the girls? Who makes that decision? Who makes the decision that everybody transitioning plays with the girls? The same people could make the same decision that says everybody transitioning plays with the boys. Do that. Let that, whatever that thing is, throw uh, some boys around his size, his age, and see what happens to him. It'd be good for him. Casey Crane of the Collegiate Charter School, in an effort to maintain safety for his team, he decided to forfeit. The Charter School supports this decision and reiterates its value. See, now you got a bullshit. Now you got a bullshit. And reiterates its value of inclusivity and safety for all students. We take the standards set by the MMA and our Board of Trustees series, strive to uphold them on and off the court. Now, here's what you do. No, no, here's what you do. You say, you know what? It's bullshit that we're playing a dude. You know what? It's horseshit. It's garbage. Shouldn't happen. Play with the boys. Simple. Why is this so difficult? I'll hang up and listen. Why is it so difficult that we can't just say, hey, look, great. We love our trans kids. We want our trans kids to play, participate, get the same out of sports that we get. So this guy right there, old number 22 or whatever he is, go play with the boys. No problem. Pisses me off. All right, there's a running back named Trey Holly. He's been charged with second-degree murder following a shooting. He's an LSU running back at his apartment February 9th in Louisiana. He turned himself in to police after being named one of three suspects in the wake of the incident. I mean, dudes, I'm not saying you did it. I'm not saying you didn't do it. But there's a shooting at your apartment. Where are these idiot football players getting all these guns? Seriously. Jesus. Okay, Holly. Holly took to his Facebook page and says he is 100% innocent of these charges. Here's what he had to say. As you guys know, I was recently arrested on three felonies. I just laugh at these guys. I'm sorry. I know it's serious, but I just laugh. I was arrested on three felony charges. I've been falsely identified, accused, and arrested. I'm 100% innocent, and the people that know me know this is not in my character. I was not involved in this at all. I hope not. I hope not for your sake, but I, for one, like the, the little... 
mini mafia gang guy football player in college is, is a tired act. And I'm not talking about this kid. I hope this kid gets out. But it's really, it's a tired act, right? The little gang, the mini micro thug football player with his guns and the money and all, it, it's just a tired act. The whole thing is, you know, it's just funny to me. And I'm, I know it's not, but it is. Many micro thugs have always been funny to me. The idiot football players back in Indiana, and I'm going back 40 years, have always been funny to me. It, it, they still are. I mean, it, the level of jackassery and stupidity, now that's not all, but I call, and I like the word, and I'm going to keep using it, the little mini micro thugs fast, and I, I just think they're funny. I'm sorry. I was at home, which is where the incident took place. All right? Well, if you're at home and the incident took place, what happened? I was notified. Uh, I turned myself in because I was notified of an arrest warrant. I want to fully cooperate. Due to this being an ongoing investigation, I can't give many details. Yes, I'm sure you have a lot of fans, Trey Holly. To my fans, to my public, I'm a third-string running back, and I have a public because that's what my mini micro thugs see in their Instagram posts. I'm sorry I'm making fun of this. I can't stop. I just, I hope this kid is innocent. And I like what this kid did. He turned himself in. Great. He's saying he's, I love this. This is what I would do. But I'm just telling you, the thug football player on campus with a gun or being involved in guns, drugs, uh, money, acting like they're, is just tired to me. I'm exhausted with it. I laugh at it. I'm sorry. To my fans. To my fans, the Holly Nation out there, I'm sorry for the confusion. I know you're suffering along with me. He didn't say that. I threw that in. But you guys know this is not me at all. I will come back better than ever. And I look forward to proving my, I hope so. To the real ones. Yeah, because there's always the real ones. <laughs> Many micro thugs. Uh, thank you, guys. See, don't put the guys in there. Let me, let me give you guys a little thing. When you're arrested, and I'll be arrested for murder or something stupid at some point, I'm sure. That's always been in the back of my mind. You don't have to put guys in there. See, guys makes you sound weak. Hi, guys. No. Mm -mm. Here's what you do. To the real ones, because, you know, there are the real ones. Thank you for standing beside. No, not the guys. See, you put the guys. Now, listen to the difference here. To the real ones, thank you, guys. No, see, that's a little girl on Instagram. Hey, guys. Or that's Clarissa Thompson. Guys. No, don't do that. When you're, when you're a mini micro thug and you're talking to the real ones, do this. To the real ones, thank you for standing beside me through this tough time. I got this. My story will be told one day, and it will be legendary because we all hang on the third string wide receiver at, even if he's a first string, I don't care. We all hang. We all put our lives on hold. Now, I like this kid doing this. I do. I like him doing it. He seems like a good kid. I hope he's innocent. And I'm going to follow this. And I'm instructing my crew, the Flying Knicks, Nick and Nick at night, to follow this story because I want this kid to be innocent. I don't know if he is. I want him to be. All right, college hoops last night. What did I tell you? Honest to God, do I have to do everything for you? I told you last night that Creighton would beat the ass off of UConn if 
They just threw in a bunch of threes. Because, now look, somebody says, well, Dawkins, of course. Shut up. Here's the deal. That's what Creighton does. And I'm watching Creighton the other day, and I'm like, you know, this is unstoppable if these shots are going in because they're shooting bombs. Well, last night, 14 to 28 threes. I mean, you want to know why one team beat another's ass? You don't have to look very far. 14 to 28 for Creighton. Three of 16 for UConn from three. You want to know? Coaches can preach toughness, loose ball drills, take a charge, get on the floor. Eh, Coach, you know what? What if I just go, oh, I don't know, Francisco Farabella and drill three straight threes in a row? Or maybe I go Stephen Ashford and score 13 straight on my own. I don't know. Maybe if I do that, you dive on a loose ball, Coach. How about that? Times they are changing. Fellas, I'm telling you what's going to make us better. Everybody in the gym, 6 a.m., everybody's not leaving until we make 5,000 threes as a team. That's what I would do now as a coach. Except if I were Indiana. Indiana would be doing loose ball drills, diving on the floor, take a charge drill until the freaking cows came home. Because they're a bunch of sissies. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. If I am, I apologize. If I'm not, okay, whatever. Wisconsin... Bounced back. Maryland, game. Wisconsin, who had lost five in a row. And their fans, man, their fans were going nuts. Our guy, David Hookstead, I think he was about ready to commit the old Harry and Carry, Take the big, long sword. But Wisconsin's going to do Wisconsin, and Maryland's going to do Maryland. Maryland's not right to beat a real program. Although, congratulations to Maryland. They got another overrated big kid named Derek McQueen. Derek Queen. Their last overrated big kid was a kid named Diamond Stone. Diamond Stone, they paid zillions when it wasn't legal. At least that's alleged through Under Armour. Don't know if that's true. It went to, I think, the NCAA. And Diamond Stone, first time I watched him, I'm like, yeah, he ain't going to win nothing for you. But So they got another one, Derek Queen. You know how I know he's overrated? Because Indiana fans were drooling over him. Indiana fans thought Derek Queen was coming to Indiana. That's how I know he's overrated. I watched Butler play Villanova. I got to tell you, yesterday, my opinion, and I've watched, for whatever the reason, a lot of Villanova basketball. That was the most Villanova game that I've seen. This was a grinded out. Now, a couple weeks ago, Villanova came into Butler, and the TV guys made a big deal, rightfully so. Butler was down, and Thad Mata kept saying, we're going to win this game. They did. But I'll tell you this. There's a kid named Moore on Villanova. If that kid keeps coming, Villanova is going to be a force. Both teams are on the bubble, and maybe after yesterday, Butler went to the wrong side of the bubble. What do I mean by I say Villanova played the most Villanova game? They were just solid. When Villanova plays, they make the extra pass, and it's right here. When Villanova plays, they drive into traffic, jump stop, either play their way out of it or pass their way out of it, and they did that numerous times yesterday. They were able to beat Butler. The game started out awesome. Guys are ripping threes. But Villanova grinded. Stayed with the defense. Butler started missing to start the second half. Next thing you know, Villanova got the win. It was pretty good. This shocked me. I talked to Izzo the other day. This stunned me. Iowa never has the balls to go in and get a big win. Iowa never has the stones this time of year other than in the tournament. They're very good in the tournament because they can score. Big Ten tournament. But I'm going to give McCaffrey and his crew great credit. I'm watching this game last night, and they came, they got started out great. And a lot of times you start out great. They build a halftime leader. Here comes Michigan State. Michigan State started pounding the boards. Michigan State started getting their transition game. Michigan State peeled back in. The is zone was going nuts. And this Stranford 
Got out in transition, laid a couple in. They, being Iowa, decided we're just going to run our offense. It was almost like, and this was fascinating to me, this hit me. It was almost like Iowa played with headphones in. They never got rattled by what was going on around them. Two things were going on around them. One was Michigan State being tougher, having pride, prideful program. Second half, at home, we're losing. We got to pick it up. They did. Iowa never flinched. Second thing that's going on is the Izzone. Izzone can get crazy. Michigan State's won a few in a row. It's March, or it's getting to be March. That's Izzo time. Here we go. I got to tell you, here's what I watch. In situations like this, watch this. Watch off the ball. Because what happens is pressure from the other team, pressure on the road, the crowd, stymies players, slows them down, makes them stand. I can't tell you the names of Iowa's players, but the ball was here, I was watching here, and Iowa's players were cutting and moving and running Fran's offense, and it was pretty good. There's a toughness to it. Because intimidation and fear freezes you. Iowa didn't get frozen. It's a good night. All right, my man Danny Z is getting ready to join us here in a minute. I rarely run, but when I do, it's to the bathroom. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I don't like getting my guests in trouble, but what the hell? It's OutKick. We can pretty much tell the truth. You worked at ESPN. I worked at ESPN. The one thing that I've seen at ESPN, and I know at ESPN, is that uh, employees of African-American get treated way better, have way more leeway than employees of white, whether it's to be speaking out political, speaking racial. And, of course, Stephen A. Smith says that, uh, well, Pat McAfee gets away with things because he's white. Total crap. Am I wrong, Danny Z? You worked there a long time, but I know I'm not wrong. How about that? You're not wrong. Um, I'll actually tell you a personal story if you'd like to hear it. Mm-hmm. One of the, what Part of what led to my eventual departure from ESPN was, you remember the whole Bubba Wallace thing with the, the noose in the garage and all yeah. that? I was working at ESPN at that point, and when it came out that, of course, that there wasn't a noose, it was just a garage rope, like most people might have expected. I sent out a fairly harmless tweet while I was working that said, uh, you know, I expect 
apologies to be flooding this website at any moment, right? Pretty harmless. A coworker of mine, this was during COVID too, by the way, when ESPN was all about COVID and masks and not, you know, getting into people's space. A coworker of mine, African-American, busted into my control room where I was sitting by myself, starts screaming at me, F-bombing me, tells me he wants to fight me, just yelling, scream, going absolutely berserk. And I just, I sat there calmly and I said, can you, I, I'd like you to please leave my control room. You know, I'm not trying to get into a physical altercation at work. So this, this happens. I alert my supervisor. I'm like, hey, you know, just so you know, I was sitting in the control room by myself and this guy busts in. He's screaming at me, cussing me up and down. Okay. So we get a setup meeting with HR. They ask me why I felt the need to tweet what I tweeted. Um, basically, he got in zero trouble. They turned it on me and said it was my fault that I right. started it by sending a harmless tweet that really, first of all, could have meant anything, by the way. Um, and again, like I said, broke all the COVID rules, F-bombing a coworker in a control room. I mean, Dan, I, I, that was the moment when I was like, I, I have to get out of here. Like this is, we're living in the upside down time. This guy comes into my room threatening to fight me and I'm the one who did something wrong? Get out of here. No, that's exactly right. I mean, everybody knows. And, you know, I, I've said this, and I just said this, and I'm glad you told that story because I said it earlier. People think ESPN is what you see on TV. It's not. It's a college campus, and there's a lot of white people there. And if I were a freaking ESPN white employee that had to go there every day, I'd be pissed at what Smith said. First, Smith is really insecure about uh, McAfee, obviously. McAfee never says anything about Smith. Smith can't wait. But him saying, it's so laughable, him saying that you have to be more polished as a black guy is so full of shit, so wrong, so ridiculous. It's not even, it's laughable. It's just simply laughable. And everybody black and white that works there knows it's laughable. It's the exact opposite, in fact. Um, you know, I, I, was, I sat through so many corporate meetings where black employees got away with saying things to management that you, you or I could never say out loud in a meeting in front of everyone. And, you know, there, ESPN took this turn, and not just ESPN, but, but all of Disney, um, and it became this bring your whole self to work thing, which, by the way, Dan, I don't want you bringing your whole self to work. Well, you, because you do a show. But you know what I mean? This whole idea of, like, you should be able to be yourself at work. No, you shouldn't. You're at work. You talk to your boss different than you talk to your buddies when you're sitting on the couch drinking beers. It's part of life. You talk to your grandma different than, than you talk to your golf buddies. I mean, we all do this. We all put on a different face when we go to work. We dress different when we go to work. We talk to – this is not a uniquely black experience. And this is part of the problem is a lot of these complaints are, you know, black employees feel uncomfortable because they can't speak the way they want to speak at work or this. And I'm, I'm always sitting here like this is not a uniquely black experience. This is a human experience. We all have to adjust our behavior based on the environment – based on who we're talking to, based on the situation. We all do it. We all do it every day. I, I, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. You know, it's really funny. Uh, I just had this at church. It's different, but it's the same. So the preacher guy was up there, and I could tell, you know, everybody's uncomfortable. And he says that he's a marriage counselor, and he was counseling a LGTB couple. 
and oh, the hurt, uh, the pain that they the, go wait, through. Wait, blah wait, blah wait, blah wait. blah you blah. Got blah. The letters in the, you put the letters in the wrong order, Dan. You're canceled. Yeah, I don't care. I do that on purpose. I don't care. <laughs> I, mean, I, I protest outside my house. I could give a shit. <laughs> but the, so he's like, well, you know, the pain, the hurt they go through, and my wife looks at me. And goes, that is not a uniquely LGBTQ experience to go through pain and hardship in a wedding. I mean, do you want equal or do you want equal but special? And Smith is just so full of shit. Let me go to another thing. Why can't we? Here in Indianapolis, Fox 59 News, if you are an African-American and you rob a store or a bank or murder, and we're looking for you. We're looking for you. You're on the run. Fox 59 will not say the race of the person that is on the run because that is somehow harm. We're, wait, if you say white guy, that narrows it down. If you say black guy, that narrows it down. But we're not allowed to do that. Kansas City, we're not allowed to say what race these shooters are. Fuck that. Excuse me. Yeah, and, and honestly, this back to the LGBT and the trans thing, when it comes to like ID at the airport and you're like, you can't ask their gender. I'm like, we're talking about identification. Do, do you not understand the purpose of identification? We need to be able to know that you are who you say you are and we're eliminating all the things we can say about it. I mean, Dan, it's sad, but when the Kansas City parade shooting happened and I was looking around scrolling social media and I didn't see the race, I go, well, they're not white. Because if they were white, every tweet would say two white males fired into a crowd, but it doesn't. So we know they're not white. That's so true. That, that is so true. It's like, all right, well, we know. With shootings, this is how it works now. If the shooter's white, then it's white supremacy. If the shooter's not white, it's the guns. I mean, it, period. That's it. The media has a playbook. First things first, we determine the race of the shooter. As soon as we know that, now we can decide how to attack the issue. Uh, let me ask you a question, side question. Do you think, where are you at with like Mahomes and, and uh, Kelsey and that Sneed guy getting so hammered they could barely stand up at the parade? Do you have, are you anywhere with that one? Yeah, look, I'm the last person to stand up and, and pass judgment on anyone for uh, being a little bit overserved. But I do think there's a little bit of a responsibility on your part. Like, look, have fun, party it up. But you are still, at the end of the day, sort of at work, you know, back to our earlier conversation about being at work. I mean, yes, it's a parade. Yes, it's a party. But you're still representing the Chiefs. You're representing the NFL. There is a line. And. If you're handing the Super Bowl trophy off to a random fan, I think it might be time to have a cup of coffee. That's all. Step aside, drink a cup of coffee, pound a bottle of water, and let's get back to partying. I told a story after we won a national championship in 87. I missed the team bus the next day. I was got so – Craig Sager and I had a chair-throwing contest, wrought iron chairs. Craig Sager, rest his soul, was freakishly strong. He threw a wrought iron chair through an apartment window on the second floor, and I heard cops come, and I sprinted through the kitchen of this bar and hit under the bed at the Hilton. And I, was a, it was, I was in the back of a squad car getting ready to be sent downtown. I mean, it was a bad night. It was a bad night. What happens? I can get out of control back in the 80s, okay? I mean, you know. What are you going to do? Clearly. That and when I got divorced, about 10 years ago when I got divorced, I was a bit of a womanizer. I admit it. I'm sorry. But when you look like this, what are you going to do? There's nothing you can do. Women are throwing themselves at you. You know what I mean? 
What can I say? Don't at me about it. <laughs> hey, I'm always trying to get me um, in trouble. You always loop me in. I like to get me in trouble because you're not afraid. Because you're not afraid to speak. You're not afraid. You're not going to be like, well, I don't know, and give me some politically bullshit answer. So that's why I want you on more, and I keep begging, get Danny Z on so we can just have a chat. Look, when you do a show, and you know this, you look at the rundown, and sometimes the guest is like, ah, crap. And other times it's like, oh, this is going to be an easy two hours because I I got Danny Z on. Name what? Name the guest where you go, eh. (laughs) No. It's not. It's not so. their fault. Gotta flip the script. It's not their. It's not their fault, Danny Z. It's my fault. It's my issue. Um, Saquon Barkley. I'm gonna talk a little NFL. You know, yesterday I was talking to uh, Craig Carton. He was on the show, and Craig is like, you know what? If I'm Barkley, I'm vindictive. I'm going to the Cowboys. Uh, maybe I don't know. What do you say? Where's he gonna end up? I don't know. Uh, just, after you just said, the only thing I don't say is I don't know. I don't know where he's going to end up. I mean, we're in a weird space with running backs, and that's the whole thing. I mean, he's going to go where who's going to pay him. Question is, which team's going to pay him? Teams right now just don't value running backs highly, and that's why the franchise tag has become so popular with running backs because it's really the best way. It's actually the system and what the running backs are fighting against is the franchise tag system because it does incentivize teams to franchise tag running backs. First of all, the value of the contract, I think it's like, what is it, $12 million or something? It's very reasonable. It's one year, so if they blow out a knee or get hurt or you clearly see it, you can easily move on. Um, so Barkley's going to go with whoever's going to give him at least three years. I mean, this is his 27-year-old season, or actually he's, he's turned 27, so this next contract's going to take him through 30. So really, Dan, it just comes down to, I mean, the Cowboys showed with Ezekiel Elliott, like they didn't want to commit to Elliott any longer. They thought he was done. So they let him go. They have Tony Pollard. I can't see the Cowboys wanting Saquon Barkley unless, I mean, if you're talking vindictive and he's going to take a super deep discount to go to the Cowboys, I don't think that's true. Barkley knows he needs to get, he's got one contract left. He's got to make the most of it. So it really just comes down to, is there a team out there, maybe like the Baltimore Ravens, there's some rumors out there that they really want someone with quote-unquote pedigree. You know, maybe that's a team willing to spend, but they got Lamar Jackson's contract kicking in. Any team with a quarterback that they're paying $40, $50 million a year, they can't afford to give a running back $17, $18 million against the salary cap. So the options for Saquon, like all running backs right now, are limited. Ultimately... My honest opinion is he ends up back with the Giants. I, I always think that because of different things. I know you got to run. I just got a text. He's like uh, presidents. He's got to be out by a certain time. You got to go. Thanks, Dan. appreciate you as always. See you, brother. Love talking to Danny Z. He's right. If you don't see the name or the, excuse me, if you don't see the race of the shooter, you know he ain't white. You know he ain't a cock. It is so funny. Like, it, does it really offend you African-Americans if they say the shooter was black? I mean, does it really bother you? And if it does, is it because maybe you're a shooter too? I mean, how could it bother you? Hey, man, some white dude shot up the liquor store. Good. Get him. Go get him. Does it really bother you? Seriously. Oh, ESPN, don't even get me started. 
the difference between how black people, what black people say, and what white people say. Because you got to understand, the leaders are black or white, and they're scared to death. I mean, all these guys at ESPN that are in leadership positions got these 401ks, got this profit sharing, got these uh, stock options. It's true, and they'll hold on to them like grin death, like most people will. And the la- it used to be the last thing that can happen. Worst thing was be called a racist. Now it's just a Wednesday. I mean, you just laugh, right? You're like, oh, really? I'm racist again? Come on, really? Oh, man, that's too bad. Oh, gee whiz. My favorite are the philosophers. There's a guy, Ray Roberts, who's a former lineman. He's a philosopher. He got all the answers. I think he played with the Giants. So, of course, I closed my eyes because I knew what was going to happen. And I knew that there wasn't going to be like an actual job for this guy. There was going to be like coalitions. Those are my favorite. Uh, You know, I'm a speaker. I'm an activist. Me too. Me too. I am. I'm a speaker. I'm an activist. Don't at me. I am. That's what I do. Um, His name may not be Ray Roberts. I don't know. But he started coming at me and I got a kick out of it. So I looked him up. Got a bunch of degrees. You know, it's like the Obama path. Don't actually have a real job. Don't actually have to make a payroll. Don't actually have to employ people. Be a city planner, whatever that. Or be a part of a coalition. I'm part of the coalition. Shut up. (laughs) ESP. I'm not getting into it with Seth Greenberg because Seth Greenberg doesn't need it. I'm not. He'll say exactly this. I just keep my head down and show up to work. And he's smart. Be right back. He's next. I love talking to Seth. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, here's the deal. I love Seth Greenberg. I told you when Danny Z was just on, I looked at who was on today, and I'm like, this is a great day. I get to talk ball with my favorite guy to talk ball with. Are you kidding me? Live, ladies and gentlemen, from Avon. It is Seth Greenberg. Hey, Seth, uh, I said yesterday, look, you can break it down however you want. But I watched enough of Creighton to know this. They're going to get threes, and if they go three stupid, UConn got no shot. But you, being the basketball aficionado, you saw more than that. What happened in that game last night? I thought Greg McDermott had a great game plan. Uh, you know, you think about, well, first of all, it was a great environment. You got number one coming into your building. The building is rocking and rolling. You know, Connecticut coming off that huge win against Marquette where they absolutely boat raced them. Uh, but I thought what Greg McDermott did was it was great. First and foremost, he took Spencer and Caravan out of the game. How did he take him out of the game? Because he didn't help off him. He almost like Fred denied him. He stayed attached to him. So even though Newton was getting in the lane and, make, and trying to make plays, he didn't have any kickouts because he took those guys away. He didn't overhelp against those guys, which is really, really important. He didn't think that Newton could beat him. Now, Newton had 27, but they took Spencer and Caravan out of the game. They forced Stephen Castle 
to shoot the basketball. He was 0 for 3 from three-part line. He shot as many threes as Caravan and Spencer. So that's a plus. Great job defensively in terms of that. And then they made clinging defense. Offensively, they played ahead of that Connecticut defense. I thought they pushed it every opportunity. Push it, push it, push it. Danny, you know what that does. It flattens the defense. It flattens the defense. Now you kick it, come back out. You run a quick action. And look, Ashworth was was great. Alexander was great. Uh, Sherman was good. Uh, it was just uh, it was a perfect storm. But you got to give Creighton credit. Great environment, great atmosphere, a great game plan offensively and defensively. Everyone says, well, you can't run with UConn. Actually, UConn doesn't play that fast. You want to run ahead of their defense, though. And that's exactly what they did. If you watch every single stop, boom, they're down the floor. Boom, they're flat in defense. Now the ball's coming back out, and Creighton runs some great action. They run some good misdirection, and they shot it. And when you shoot it, you know what? You look really smart. God dang, do you ever. Uh, 14 of 28 for Creighton, 3 of 16 for UConn. You know, Seth, one of the things that I've told people this last three days, I remind people, you're going to lose during college basketball. Like Purdue fans, they lose to Ohio State. I'm like, the last undefeated team is 1976. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a reason for that. People lose. Let me ask you this. Is there, is there a team that would surprise you if they didn't make the Final Four? Like back in the day, UNLV and Duke and those teams, you know what I mean? Like you were, you'd be surprised. I'm shocked they didn't make the final because the final four is hard as hell to make. That's a hundred percent, hundred percent. You look, I played against those UNLV teams. Uh, you know, I was like over a hundred against those teams. I mean, we were just happy to get the ball over half court. I mean, just right. hey, that's just the way it right. was. I mean, you played, you know, Anthony, you know, Hunt and and Greg Anthony and. And grandmama and that, I mean, augment that, that and, and yeah. augment. I mean, like, there was like they go yeah. to that amoeba, and I thought there were like six dudes on the floor. I'm saying, wait a second, hey, Tark, you're so good, you even have six guys on the floor that we're trying to play against. But, uh, <laughs> right. you know what? I, I, I would think it's Purdue and UConn in terms of what they've done, their body of work. But I think that, to be honest with you, Dan, between one and 65. This, everyone's right. got scars. Everyone's got scars. Everyone can have a bad day to have a bad day. I mean, you know, I uh, the one thing I do hate is people taking shots at the backcourt at Purdue. Yeah, they, you know, they play crappy against Ohio State. That's just the way it is. Ohio State played really well. Restart was absolutely terrific. Uh, they had a little mojo going. Uh, the crowd got into it. Great game. Great win. You know, uh, very disappointed for Chris Holtman, quite honestly. I don't think he should make changes in the middle of the season. And he's a good man who's a terrific coach and even better person. It's, you know, it is the business we live in today, or I don't live in, but they live in today. Uh, but it was a great win. So it happens. It happens. You know, Connecticut loses at Creighton. It happens. You know, I, it's just it's just the business of college basketball. But I, you know, I, you know my reasons. I think the reason it is because of the static round of players. I think it's workout gurus, it's AAU coaches, it's parents, it's NIL, it's and I'm all, I'm all for it. I got no problem with it, but it's just so much more that's on their plate. It's collectives. I guess school fits in there somewhere. It's it's social media. There's just so much static around these kids. It's hard for them to focus on the most important things all the time. So when you're not as focused, 
Maybe it's when you go on the road. Maybe you're, when you're hearing too much good about yourself. You know what happens? You're more vulnerable. And when you're more vulnerable, the other team plays well. They take advantage of it. And you lose. It's just the way it is. I want to I wanna talk about something. Like I, I understand everything is analytics. And I, you and I are two guys that really don't get into who should be in or who should be out of the NCAA tournament until we have to. You know, whether it's on my show where I'm trying to promote or you're going to at ESPN, okay. But I'm going to tell you something, Seth. I, and again, I, I, I don't anticipate anything changing, but I got to pitch in for some people here. I happen to watch, and I, and I text you this, I happen to watch the Ivy League, and I'm watching, and I know Cornell's leading it, but I didn't see them. I, I saw uh, Princeton playing Yale. And I got to tell you, Seth, that was as high a level of game. Now, yeah, and you know the coaching was high level. The structure was high. The fans were high. The, the, and I'm watching it, and I'm watching some of these mid to lower Big Ten teams. And I'm like, you know what? I'm telling you right now, Indiana's not beating either of those teams. Minnesota's not beating either of those teams. Rutgers may be at the rack. I, I think this is going to be a fascinating year because I think some of these teams are damn good, like last year with Florida Atlantic, and I hope they get in. I, I hope some of these teams get in as opposed to an eighth-place Big Ten team. Yeah, yeah, I think there are two teams that can get in from the Ivy League. There's no doubt that James Jones is a Do you? coach. Yeah, yeah I, yes. James Jones is a terrific coach. Yeah, I'm not talking about a good coach. He's a terrific yes. coach. And those dudes are paying to go to school. Yet he finds guys, he develops guys, he puts them in the system. They play hard as hell. They're physical. Mitch Henderson, a terrific basketball coach. Yes. Terrific basketball coach. Uh, the Ivy League, because they play those back-to-backs, the Friday-Saturdays, is maybe one of the most demanding leagues in the country. Everyone talks about, you know, like, oh, you know, we've got to play Saturday, we've got to play Monday. The Ivy League, you go on the road, man. You know, it's Harvard Dartmouth. That's just the way it is. You know, for Columbia, they got to go up to play Cornell, but everything else, it's Penn-Princeton. It's the way it is, and like, so I mean, it, it, it's it's a hard league to coach him because you're you're basically prepared for two games, and a lot of times it would be an evening game on Friday, and it could be an afternoon game on 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 Saturday. So tough league to coach in, good players, really skilled, uh, and it, it's interesting. If you go to Yale, if you go to Princeton, you want to be pro, sure, you want to be pro, but you also understand. Uh, the tremendous opportunity you have. And I think that you, there's not as much static around. You really get lost in, you know, the experience a little bit more than, you know, everything that's around. And like I said, I'm not against any of that stuff. Uh, I do think we have to have some parameters. Uh, I think we got to have contracts. I think we've got to have some accountability on both ends. Uh, I, I, I think that, you know, what's going on right now, having basically year-to-year free agency, no other professional organization, if you want to call it, College athletics professional, well, what other professional organization has year-to-year free agency? It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, guys are being recruited like right in handshake lines. And if you don't think that's happening, you're fooling yourself. You don't think that Bruce Thornton, when he's shaking hands the rest of the season, someone's looking for a point guard, they're not going, hey, you know, I don't know who your coach is going to be, but I'd love to have an opportunity to coach, hey, have a great rest of the season. If you don't think that's happening, you're fooling yourself. Yeah, and then you throw agents in. Seth, let me stick with the basketball. Are there other teams that you've seen? I know Florida Atlantic. You know, I think Janelle Davis is an All-American. Oh, by the way, I got to get your opinion on this. 
I don't care. I know Feast Week and all that. I don't care who plays well in Feast Week. I don't at this time of year. But I'll tell you this. That freaking Jamal Sneed, that dude, or Shed, that dude, second hand. Oh, he's an All-American, Seth. He's unbelievable, that guy. And he's tough and he's smart. Holy shit, is that guy good. He is a bad dude. You know, we had our little draft for our all-star team this past week, and we had to pick select from teams that uh, players that are in the Wooden Award Final Twenty. Of course, I went off the off, off the beaten path because I basically said Jamal Shad has to be on my team, All right? Because Jamal yes, Shad is tough and physical, and he's a winning player. And he can defend. He doesn't take plays off. He's got a he's got an edge to him, uh, without a doubt. You're a hundred percent right on Jamal Shad. A hundred percent right. Uh, that dude is all about one thing, winning, winning. And he could start on any team in America. There's no doubt about it. He is the head of the snake when it comes to Houston because it all starts with ball pressure and it all starts with physicality. It all starts with making plays. But here's something. I do like FIU because I don't – here's my deal on FIU. Their season doesn't start. And they just lost to South Florida. And Amir Raheem has done an incredible – Incredible job in South Florida. But their season doesn't start until the NCAA tournament FAU. Like all those guys, I, I think it's like eight of their top nine or nine of their top ten. They all came back for one reason and one reason only, to see if they could basically do it again. And, you know, the Beach Boys, say what you want. They're not guarding the way they did in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they were fortunate to get past Memphis. But they are a really good basketball team. Dusty Mays, a terrific coach. They pass the ball. They are they they are an elite offense. They have shot makers and floor gamers. Golden's a big body that can play and score in the post and also protect the rim. They've developed some depth. So I mean, I think FAU is, is really good. I, I think Arizona is really good. I think Arizona at times they lose a little focus. Their shot selection might not be great, but Arizona's a team that people want to keep their eye on. Alabama style of play, pace that they play, shot making, creating mismatches. I think they're really good. St. Mary's is better than Gonzaga, but if Gonzaga makes the tournament, they're playing better. So those are some teams that, you know, I like. And and, and the the last two, let let me ask you this. Because you're a guru. Iowa State, Houston. Both turn you over. Houston's a better offensive rebounding team, but so so is Iowa State. Physical as hell. Oh, when you rely on when you rely on rebounding forty percent of your misses, and when you rely on turning people over a quarter of the possessions, isn't that basically as you start winning games in the NCAA tournament a formula for getting knocked out? Because if you yes. as you move up and you win games, <laughs> yes. people are going to take care of the ball and they're going to cut you out of the glass, and now you got to you got to be able to score in the half court. Am I way off on that? No, 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 no. But the caveat to that is a guy like Shed who goes for 22 in the second half and just cuts your heart out. But no, I look, Seth, I learned firsthand, man, the jump shot, Creighton, make 14 threes. I'll turn it over 15 times, but if I'm making 14 threes in a game – I'm going to whip your ass. I, I, you know, unless you're making 14 threes in the game, you're making three threes. No, I, I am with you, which is why I, I've said this about Creighton after watch. I don't know why I'm watching a lot of Big East basketball, but I'm watching Creighton going. It isn't a matter 
and tell me if you agree with this. It isn't a matter of what you do defensively. They skip. They run all their stuff. They, they If you guard them, they just get a little deeper. It's just a matter of whether they make their shot because they're going to get their shots, and you ain't stopping that. It's just a matter if they go stupid on you like they did last night. Yeah, it's interesting because coming in the game, I thought they were a lot like Kansas, and this is what I mean. I thought they, they had four starters and then, and then a piece. And Ashworth actually has become the fourth starter because he's shooting the shooting the cover off at forty four percent in the last eight games. So, like, you know, to me, you got a rim protector, you got shot maker, and a matchup problem in Alexander. Shireman can really pass it and shoot it. Ashworth's shooting it. The, the ball moves. They have great spacing. I mean, look, when they're making shots, you're not beating them. Last night they were making shots. I mean, they've had games they haven't made shots. But I'll tell you the other thing: McDermott coaches them. They're freed up, man. They're freed up. Oh. Like I, I saw something. Oh. I really watched the, the first UConn game. And, like, he lost. And, you know what? He was pissed, I'm sure. But he was like, you know, he had a smile on his face, put his arm around Danny. You know, he was – he's just like a guy that, you know what? I'm playing with house money. I can coach ball. I'm going to run good offense. I'm going to free these dudes up. You know, we're going we're gonna to compete. They really competed hard defensively. But I am going to enjoy every second of it. That's to me. And his team plays that way. Um, what is going to happen if you're the, if you're Gene Smith or the new guy Bjorken or whatever his name is at Ohio State? Who are you looking at? Yeah, that's an interesting one. You know, you could be looking at McDermott. You could be looking at Bruce Pearl, which I don't think he can get. I think Bruce Pearl's going to do at the end of this thing. He's going to tease Vono. Uh, he's going to tease Louisville. And he's going to tease Ohio State and all these others, Rob Arpenes. And then he's just going to get his son coaching waiting. That's my prediction on that. Uh, so, I, you know, I think I think that that could happen. I mean, you know, Greg McDermott would be a great choice at Creighton. I mean, at Ohio State. I just, you know what? Is that a better job in the new Big Ten? Is that a better job than Creighton in the Big East? Let me let me give right. you a scenario. Let me All give right. you a scenario. The the year Andrew played at Ohio State, they're 15 and 3 in the Big 10. They had one sellout the entire year. One against number 1 in the country, Michigan State on a Sunday afternoon. One. And I I Ohio State is going to get, and I don't know if this matters, Seth. Maybe it's maybe McDermott, but Ohio State gets five thousand people that come to the game, and then however many on top of that five thousand. There's a core five thousand, and then maybe three thousand show to make it eight. Maybe five more thousand show. McDermott's got twenty-two thousand people in that place in a league that is every bit as good in a league that you can win a national championship in, and he doesn't have to deal with the bullshit of a big school. I don't think it's a better yeah. job personally, but people and will think it's have a better to job. Fly across course country for the ridiculousness right. of, the, of expansion and everything else. Yeah, I'm, I'm like right. Mick Cronin. Mick, Mick, would Mick Cronin take that job? And he's had some meltdowns. I wouldn't hire at, Mick Cronin at, there. I wouldn't hire Mick Cronin at Ohio State. I, I wouldn't hire Mick Cronin. Do you have to have I'm not sure why. to coach at Ohio State? You know, you Calvin to, Sampson to said something to me everybody. really interesting. Yeah. Calvin Sampson, you know what he said to me? 
He said, when you're coaching a football school like Oklahoma, it's the easiest jobs because nobody really gives a shit until after the football season's over. You know, Indiana, we have 20,000 or 17,000 for Chicago State on a Sunday. And it was after that game that he said that to me, right? I think, yeah, I think all these guys would be good, but I wouldn't hire Mick. Mick doesn't have a personality that I would want at Ohio State. And maybe I'm wrong about that. I think he's a great coach. Don't get me wrong, but that would be a little bit like Archie Miller coming to Indiana. This uptight, you know, guy. No, I need somebody that, like McDermott is like the guy that would be at the golf outing having a scotch. I don't even know if he drinks. And just talking to everybody. I I, I think you kind of need that at Ohio State. I, I agree with you there. Like some people have thrown out Sean Miller. He's not leaving Xavier and, and, and hopping over to Ohio State with everything that, that I'm not iron Sean Miller. I don't need that. Um I I mean I mean ideally the guy, but he's not a big social guy, and I don't think he would leave because I think he's gonna end up coaching in the NBA is Nate Oates. Style of play. I wouldn't hire Nate I wouldn't hire Nate Oates either. I don't need I, I don't need his garbage. I don't I don't need him being a jackass. In different ways. I, I just, you know who I would hire? i tell you who I would talk to, Lamont Paris. He plays good ball, man. Lamont Paris Woo! plays good ball. I mean, like, they play, I mean, they are physical. They're tough. They run good offense. They have, uh, you can, like, I watched them last year. I did one of their games last year. Actually, it was the Alabama game. Watched his practice. Just has a really good way about him just a really good dude and a really good basketball coach i mean like really good i mean hey do you make a run at shocker smart uh yes i i you know yeah would you make i know you hey would you you're friends with jay wright would you talk to jay would jay wright talk to you i can't imagine i talked to jay yesterday i can't imagine jay get back into it uh, I mean, uh, I just can't imagine, especially outside of his, you know, kind of his comfort zone in terms of, you know, region of the country. I mean, like, why would, you know, Jay go to Ohio State before he maybe would have gone to U- UCLA? Like, we can all see Jay in UCLA, at, you know, in Westwood, Bel Air, Beverly Hills, the Killer Bees, you know, <laughs> Brentwood, Bel Air, Beverly Hills, that's the Killer Bees. Uh, you know, can we see him in Columbus? I mean, obviously they'd have great NIL opportunities and, and things of that nature. Uh, yeah, look, any job, big-time job that's open, your first call has to be Jay Wright. Just has I to agree. be Jay Wright. I mean, I mean, I, and then I, make him say no. If he says no, then you go to the next guy in line. Uh, you know, I just think that, you know, do you, you do you take, a, not a risk, but do you go and take a, you know, a really hot mid-major coach? Uh, that's that's a I'm really not. good coach that knows the region that has a good feel for you know you know you know the geographic footprint of what Ohio State is all about. I mean, is that something that I you know Ohio State does? I got to ask you, and I'll let you go. I'm t- keeping you too long, but I got to ask you about this. I've said this a few years ago. I get a call from the AD at New Mexico. He's like, hey, Dan, this one I was coached, so it's more than a few years ago. He goes, hey, would Alfred consider leaving uh, Iowa to come to New Mexico? I said, I'll call him. I'll call you back. What are you going to offer him? He tells me. I go, okay, call Steve. Hey, Steve, got a call from New Mexico. Would you be – yeah, hell yeah, I'm interested in. They meet yeah. two weeks later in Dallas. Okay, that's this time of year. That's before anything has been announced at New Mexico. You've been involved in this. I've been involved in this. 
Do you think Ohio State has their guy right now? I think they have. Yeah, let's put it this way. I think Ohio Or have they talked to a guy? Oh, they've talked to to, to an agent for sure. There's no doubt about it. Say, like, if if this job opens. Because here's the deal. What does Ohio State have to do? If you're you're letting a guy go this time of the year and you want to keep your roster because you have a solid group of sophomores, right, you've got to know exactly who you're hiring. So the second that person's season's over, you basically can make your announcement so you can read the team. Because every single one of those sophomores, all right, the second that season's over is in the portal. Now, they <laughs> can come back to Ohio State depending on who they are. But you better be ahead of the curve. Because the longer people have a chance to recruit a guy right off your, uh, off your campus, the greater chance it is those guys are walking. And especially the Ohio State guys, because you know what? They can walk right to another team in their conference. I know. I, I... I know. Appreciate you, brother. I kept you too long. Right, man. You got good energy oh. today. Are you on TV tonight? I am on TV all day today. I'm at 130 Sports Center, and then uh, we have wraps and uh, a late night college basketball live, which, by the way, one of the greatest in the history of ESPN's college basketball lives was the one hour fill we did because a football game ended early. Or something, some game. You and I did. Remember that? You and I did 90 minutes. It wasn't it yeah. wasn't it wasn't an hour. We got we got Bo Pelini straightened out. It was yeah, so we in did. depth. That's right. we did. Yeah. <laughs> Bo, you're Bo, you're welcome. Oh man. Have a great day, my friend. Right, Love brother. to the family. All right. <laughs> Bo Pelini. Hey Bo Pelini, stop saying I'm gonna get fired. Cause they'll fire you. Seth and I did it. They came and got me. They go, hey, you got to get on ESPN, you and Seth. We got to fill. I go, okay. It ended up being 90 minutes of Seth and I. All right. Hey, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's talk about the craziest shit on the internet. Shall we? I think we should. See, I love when my Knicks send me something and it's like, hey, you got to bleep out the cuss words. And here I am dropping, they, they put a thing across, it says, uh, craziest shit on the internet, and then they're going to show this, oh, you got to bleep out the cuss words. Look, let's show this first one. I don't understand what people are doing. I don't. I don't. Let's, let's see this. <laughs> what, what, what? Why? Why? That's all I got. Why? Why? Like, I, I, I get it. You're drunk. See, here's the deal. And this goes back to the 90s, the 80s. Guys and their package. You used to give you a cup check. One night, we had a party at our apartment before the basketball season. We, Uwe, myself, we had this big party. And I'm standing, it's like 2 in the morning, and I got hot girl with me. I do. And she, long story. All of a sudden, my 7'2", 240-pound friend comes up and just whacks me in the balls, doubles me over. No reason. I tackle him and start punching him on my Chevette. 
there's a crowd and they're like, holy shit, these two guys are fighting for real. And it go, guys are always hitting others in the dicks. But hitting a golf ball at a guy in the package, yeah, I, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been drunk. I've been drunk on water. I've been drunk on water. Not sure there have been golf clubs, but I've been drunk on water. I've never had the desire to say, hey, put a ball down and hit it between my legs. I, I, I understand the dick. I do. I understand the cup shot. I give it. I got it. I did it the other day to a guy in a bar who was giving me a hassle. I walked by him. Hey, dog, could you suck? I just flicked him. Now, it was about two years ago, and I felt bad. But, damn. But I thought this one, isn't this one the car? Isn't this one the guy getting hit by a car? Give me the next one. You know what astounds me about these? I'll tell you what astounds me about these. What astounds me about these is that guys get up from it. Now, I'm old, I get it, but I ain't getting up from it. Not. You want to see your worst nightmare? Non-shark division? Look at this guy. Boom! Thank God he flipped all the way over, not on his head, and got away. You want to see, you're laying on the beach. This is the next one. You're laying on the beach. You're minding your own business. You're just minding your own business. Here's the next one. And look what happened to this guy. Laying on the beach. And then Slim Pickens, the other guy, he falls on top of him. He falls on top of him. Look at him. The other guy is, keep going. The other guy's going down too. Watch. Here, well, oh, oh, boom. And now watch this other guy. He goes down there too. Oh, man. Oh, man, oh, man. Holy cow. Uh, next. I love these. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. It's trying to headbutt me, bro. <laughs> yeah, good. Good. I was waiting for it. I hadn't seen this one. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's exactly right, Gritty. Gritty, that's exactly right. That's why women live longer than men. But this woman, this isn't that dangerous. Was this a goat? What are we doing there? Yeah, just a goat. You know what I mean? <laughs> Next! Look at that. This is stupid. <laughs> Just get it over with. Does anybody have friends? Is there, like, Nick and Nick, you're young guys. Like, even back in the day, I'd be like, hey, don't do that. That's stupid. Like, no, 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 no. Let's sit under the thing, have a beer, talk about it. There is no part of me 
that would be like, hey, get up there and do a handstand. No. Does anybody not have friends? Do you guys not try to at least take care of each other a little bit? A skosh? Hey, I'm going to get drunk because you know they're drunk. And I'm going to get on top. What is this thing called? Lee told me what this thing was called. I never. Hey, Lee! A pergola. I'm going to get on top of this pergola and do a handstand. You guys should be friends. Don't let them. Nick and Nick help each other out. Hey, my guy Ray Roberts chimed in. He thinks it's funny that we talk about the fact that mainstream media, if they don't tell you the color of a shooter, it ain't a white guy. Our man Ray Roberts used to play football. I'm going to give you his. uh, It's just really funny. Big Ray Roberts. UVA alum, great. All-American, no question. Seattle Seahawks, Detroit Lion. Now, here we go. Not a job coming up here. This is a philosopher. UW, M.Education, leadership. Senior advisor, urban development, Special Olympics unified. Mm. Yay. (laughs) Never a job. That's the Obama way. What do you do? I'm city planner. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Urban development. Coalition. I'm just going to start saying those words. What what do you do? Coalition. Yeah, um, I'm part of the coalition. Leadership. (laughs) We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Dan Dockage, coalition, thinker. At Harvard's graduation, they brought this kid up, right? (laughs) He's like 22 to speak, African-American kid, so that'll piss y'all off. But anyway, he gets up there, and they introduce him as a thinker, a philosopher. I'm like, yeah, you ever made a payroll, son? You ever had to discipline an employee? You ever had to organize something, son? (laughs) Thinker. Ray Roberts, thinker, big Ray, advise senior advisor. That's what I'm putting on my gravestone. I'm a senior advisor. <laughs> I'm in charge, urban development, senior advisor. That's what I am. <laughs> I just love it. Oh, man, I get a kick out of the whole thing. Black, white, I don't care. I just get a kick out of it. I'm sorry, I just do. Senior advisor. All right. Uh, J.K. Rowling, who everybody's mad about. You know who she is. She wrote Henry Potter. She is taking aim at transgender activists who refuse to defend women's spaces. We all should. Look, I'm going to be on Varney coming up at 1130, and it's, he's going to ask me about transgender. I'm going to say this is very simple. Play against boys. 
She got a lengthy tweet. J.K. Rollins put out a lengthy tweet about keeping men out of women's prison. (laughs) Think about this. I just want everybody to think about this. Think about this. I have to send a lengthy tweet about keeping men out of women's prison. What? (laughs) Here it is. I think this particular issue, Rowling said, also causes, I don't know that word, because it threatens the activist's self-image. Boy, is that true. These are people who preen themselves on their kindness and virtue. So acknowledging the truth that they're indifferent to vulnerable women being assaulted or traumatized threatens the idea they have of themselves. Boy, is that true. They therefore double down. The prisoners complaining aren't really afraid of rape or voyeurism or violence at all, they say. They're not exactly delicate flowers, as one self-identified, I'm going to use the word jackass, put it. If you support putting violent and sexually predatory men into women's prisons, imagine that. You are knowingly forcing these women to live in fear of, and in some proven cases, to suffer abuse that many of them will have endured pre-incarceration. You are not kind. You are not righteous. Women have the basic human right not to suffer cruel and unusual punishment. Hashtag women's rights are human rights. I will bet you money that in every prison, every single prison, that allows dudes in as self-identifying as women are run by white dudes or white women. Because white folk, Mr. White Folk, as Scott Van Pelt calls himself, are so afraid of not being down for the cause, are so afraid of not being with it, so afraid of being called racist, misogynist, sexist. They don't however, have any feeling for being called, well, you're a man or a woman of common sense. You're a man or woman of righteousness. How can you possibly look somebody in the eye and say, okay, go to women's prison. Why don't we do this? How how many dudes, just same thing, women, I'm transitioning to being a man, go to the man's prison. I guarantee you women transitioning to be a dude, go to the women's prison, right? Men transitioning to be a woman, go to the women's prison. Why is that? Why don't we just flip it? Why don't we just flip it to if you are a woman transitioning to a man, you're going to the men's prison. If you're a man transitioning to a woman, you're going to the woman's prison or man's prison. Just put them all with the men. Same thing in sports. Simple. We right now put them all with the women. Why don't we just flip it? I'm all for you. LG, whatever you are, transgender, I am with you. I am down with you. Everything's going to the men. Simple. Solves a lot of problems. You know, Massachusetts is the state where, you know, the little Asian gov or mayor, Boston anyway, uh, well, they have a African-American-only meetings. They are, it's just ridiculous. Anyway, so a Massachusetts high school is now begging now begging for help from the National Guard. Here's what's said. Over the past few months, our school has experienced a a disturbing 
increase in incidents related to violence, security, and safety concerns, substance abuse. The situation has reached a critical point more recently with an alarming 35 teachers absent, underscoring the severity of the challenges we're facing. They need the National Guard. They want the National Guard because the National Guard will protect them. Now, you got to understand something. This is an operation that has allowed all kinds of immigrants. This is an operation where they're not happy. They're not happy with what they have elected, but they're not going to change it. They're not going to change it because it would mean they are racist. Because they would be scared to think they are racist. Because you can't say, my God, listen to this. In today's paper, experts, advocates warn against Brockton calling in the National Guard to quell high school violence. We don't want that. We don't want that. We can't have the National Guard because our students are out of control and it might, oh my God, it might affect our students' self-esteem. Screw that. Put their ass in jail. Brockton officials see other ways to handle violence. After four Brockton school committee members called on the governor to send in the National Guard to bring order to the state's largest high school, listen to this. These are my guys. This is my guy, Ray Roberts. The uh, the state's largest high school. Education specialist. Oh, this is my favorite right here. These are my favorite. Racial justice advocates and even other officials rejected the plan. It's a ridiculous idea. No, you should. 3,500 students. 3,600 students, and these guys can't act like human beings. They're acting like idiots. They're acting like criminals. They're acting like farm animals. I know we're not supposed to say that. Ray Roberts will get mad. Oh, my gosh. You should call in the National Guard. Look, if you guys, I go to school, I pay taxes because I want to learn. You want to come in here and you want to be a wild asshole And we can't protect it with the police because, well, we're that kind of stupid. We're that kind of soft. We can't touch uh, little Jerome because little Jerome has rights. Yo, that's stupid. It's idiotic. Screw these guys. It's the home of anti-Semitic demonstrations at Harvard. A Boston mayor who throws non-white parties. Now you got a high school begging, pleading for the National Guard. Massachusetts, you're kicking ass. And you know who is now, you know who is now leading the charge of the NCAA, the former governor of Massachusetts. Things are so out of hand at the school that we got taser guns going. Over the past few months our high school has experienced a disturbing increase in incidents related to violence, security concerns. The situation has reached a critical point. We've had an alarming 35 student absence. 35 uh, teachers' absence. Wow. I thought that that Randy Weingarten told us everything is fine. Told us everything is going on. A Brockton student was sent to the hospital after a savage beatdown in the hall. Teacher was trampled by students that openly run and roam the hallways during class. Another teacher broke her arm after trying to protect a student that was beaten unconscious. But hey, we've got social justice advocates... Saying no. No. A social justice advocate is another name for an out-of-work dude can't get a job with a big mouth. 
The emergency National Guard request was sent from the town's mayor to Governor Maura Lely. Lely is the only person that is authorized. Everybody else is supposed to be in fear while these crazy ass, I don't know what you call them, are just running wild. Social, I'm a social justice advocate. I'm putting that down on my, that is going on my Twitter profile. Social justice advocate. Coalition. Full of shit. How about get off your ass? Hey, this is interesting. I never knew this. You you know, in basketball, guys say, you know, guys from Indiana are different. They know how to play and they can shoot. So Jameis Winston claims that Texas-born wide receivers are different. Mike Evans especially, since he was born around water in Galveston. I love Jameis Winston. I do. I love that guy. Let's hear from Jameis. We should have a weekly or uh, Jameis Winston quote section. Let's hear from Jameis. So uh, I think Texas receivers, they just, I feel like they're, they're different. But Mike is different. Mike is from, from Galveston. I, 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 always, I always tell this to people. And this is something that me and uh, my trainer talk about a lot. If you are born around water, like you have a different way of life. You function differently. And I just I just feel like you function differently because water like water has no soul. You know, it doesn't discriminate against anybody. You get in that water, it's gonna take you wherever it goes. Yeah. So I feel like people that are around water, they're they are very strong will. They're one with water, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And Mike is from Galveston. If you've been to Galveston, Galveston is known for, you know, I don't know what they're known for because I'm not from there, but I know they have a beach, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And it's, it's not a pretty beach. No, you they're know? known for oil. There's, uh, it's some of the dirtiest sand in America. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it's not a pretty beach, so Mike is from that muck. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It might be oil muck, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But it's still muck. So, uh, so he he he's a little different. I don't I don't classify him as like the regular Texas receivers. The uh, but CD Lamb is a Texas receiver. And I know he had a dominating. We gotta have a Jameis Winston, like we just have to. Uh, on facing Patrick Mahomes, Antonio Pierce, who is now the head coach of the. Uh, Oh, I was going to say Oakland Raiders. You're not allowed to say that, Las Vegas Raiders. He said the quiet part out loud. He, and there's nothing wrong. Well, there will be nothing wrong with it. White dude says this, you got a problem. White coach says this, you got a problem. But, hey, look, Antonio Pierce, he's down for the cause, yo. But are we hearing from Antonio or am I just reading a photo tear? I can't, I can't see this. What, what, which one am I doing? Ah, there you go. Uh, Pierce talked openly about playing. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, the same way the Pistons used to play Michael Jordan. Relentless, gratuitous physicality. We got to knock off the head of the snake. Number 15. He ain't wrong. He ain't wrong. There's nothing wrong about what he's saying there. He's right. You imagine a white dude say that, though? (laughs) Oh, man. I love it. It's really funny to me. This whole race thing has really gotten funny to me. It has. I I, I look at it, I'm like, wow. Uh, Stephen A. Smith said that white dudes can't say, no. okay, all right. It really has. And it doesn't consume me. Uh, but it really is funny. Uh, we're not, I'm sure, allowed to say that Brockton High School is like, you know, whatever. Uh, Nationals owner said the franchise is no longer for sale. Mark Lerner said, hey, look, I'm trying to sell this thing for two years. For two freaking years, I'm trying to sell this thing. 
And I can't do it. I can't sell it. You know what? Screw it. I ain't doing it. I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be really fun to own the the Nationals. I do. I could put my social justice activist plan at work. I could become, you know, <laughs> I could become, I can get a coalition. Yeah, coalition. I can get a coalition going. Education. Put Special Olympics in there. Man, oh man. All right. Let's go Woke-A-Dope, because I got some college hoops to talk about after Woke-A-Dope. Woke-A-Dope! Probably should have talked about this first. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Speaks five languages, hot as these nuts, the most beautiful first lady. I could talk for hours about Millennia Trump. Understand senile gibberish, the other one. The other one's got a face like a catcher's mitt. The one on the left speaks five languages. I mean, the rack. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, you think anybody in this world is hotter than Millennia Trump? You're out of your mind. But, of course, Cosmo and Vogue, Essence, couldn't put her on the cover. You couldn't put her on the cover because that's Donald Trump's wife. Oh, my God. How would we do this? This is horrible. This is awful. Donald Trump's wife, Millennia, is the hottest woman on the face of the earth. The one on the right cheated on her husband with Joe Biden, who cheated on his wife. She's an old bag that acts like a, pre- a, a doctor. She understands senile gibberish. And she, because of power, is guilty of elderly abuse, running our imbecile in chief out there. We should also do a, a weekly segment on pictures of Melania Trump just so that I don't have to use my Viagra. Next! What a show. Oh, man. If his memory is that bad, he should step down. If his memory is not that bad, he should stand trial. Well, now, wait a second here. That goes against my social justice advocacy. That goes against it. I am no longer going to sit back and let us talk bad about the president. But there is a logic to this. It's very simple. If his memory's that bad and you can't stand, sit down. If his memory's not that good, put his ass in front of a judge and let's see what happens. Period. Isn't that like logic? Could you imagine if you or I, could you imagine if Mr. White folks, Donald Trump was that guy? They would be crazy. Oh my gosh. It would be insanity. But of course it's not. Because somehow, some way, Jersey Joe, Jolton Joe Biden is protected. Next. My vacuum cleaner broke, so I put a Biden-Harris sticker on it, and it started to suck again. Well, you could have just put a heels up, Harris, and it'd suck good, Nancy Reagan style. I mean, let's be honest, but that is really funny. See, the Nick and Nicks, they're on it. They're not messing around. They give you the best every single day. But it's true. If anything isn't sucking, maybe slap one on your wife's ass. Or maybe slap one on your husband's ass and get his ass going. 
show can be off the rails. I don't know how this show isn't like number one show in the history of the world. I don't. Where else you get this? What, you going to turn on ESPN and listen to Dominic Foxworthy tell you that every white guy sucks and every black guy's good? What are you going to do? Listen to Damian Woody sweat? You can literally listen to Damian Woody sweat. What are you going to listen to? Stephen A. Smith yell lies about how white folk and black folk are treated at ESPN? Are you kidding me? This is the greatest show ever. There is literally, as Danny Z pointed out, nothing you can do as an African-American at ESPN and find any kind of trouble. Now, you might get in a layoff because they got to throw one at you. Again, ESPN is a college campus. There are a lot of white people that work there on a daily basis, and they're like, man, this place is nuts. However, it's a paycheck. It's in sports. Bring your whole self to work. That's the funniest shit that I have heard in a long, long time. Uh, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of college hoops on. And you Indiana fans, you know, I don't know what to tell you. It is a pick game. And it's Indiana against Nebraska. And I got to tell you, it's funny. How is Indiana against Nebraska a pick game? Indiana, according to Indiana folk, have eight bazillion five-star recruits that are all great. Nebraska has an Asian kid who is fantastic. An Asian kid that I think is absolutely great. But he's an Asian kid that was not recruited by anybody. He did not speak English until he got a girlfriend from Nebraska. I talked to Fred Hoiberg about this yesterday, the coach. Indiana's got all these guys, man. We got where? We got America's most handsome player, Trey Galloway. There's a dance contest that Trey Galloway's after the game, I think. Indiana, you suck. Get off your ass and play basketball. Win the game. Can't be a pick game against Nebraska in your third year, Woodson. You can't be. I mean, stop sucking. Your coaches, stop sucking. All of you, just stop sucking. Get your head out of your ass and get going. Who am I rooting for tonight? I'm telling you what, West Point has won five of their last six. My boys, Kevin Kulrick and Carson Cunningham, have won five out of their last six. And I am down to clown. I am big time down to clown. Big, huge. Georgetown and St. John's. Mark my words, St. John's going to play their ass off. They're a 10-point favorite. Georgetown stinks. St. John's, because Patino ripped them, Those guys are going to ball. Mark my words on that. They are. There is a great game, not a good game. It is UNI. Do you know what UNI is? Northern Iowa against Illinois State. Here's the deal. Johnny Kitzinger is the best freshman point guard in the country. Now, you can say he's not. You can look him up. You can do whatever. But right now, at this moment, Johnny Kitzinger, the Mr. Basketball out of Wisconsin, playing and starting at Illinois State, is the best point guard in America. 31 on the road at Illinois State, backed it up with another 18. Now, 31, five and like six rebounds. The dude is nuts. He's the, he is Alford. He's Steve Alford, period. Tonight, Illinois State is a one-point, one-and-a-half-point dog at home. It's going to be a tough game. I'm not betting it because I don't like betting Andrews games. Indiana State, fresh off two losses, goes to Valpo. They'll get right. They'll get, they'll get right. Kentucky is going to beat the brakes off of LSU. It's a six-and-a-half-point line. LSU's coming off a big win. But LSU is going to get the brakes beat off of them, and that's the game to bet. 
Kentucky minus six and a half at LSU is like stealing money. I thought the line would be 10. Yes, I know LSU is better. Yes, I understand. Yes, I get it. But I don't care. Kentucky will beat the absolute breaks off LSU tonight. I'm not betting the first half. I mean, LSU is going to come out. Half of the gym will be uh, Kentucky. LSU will make some threes. The world will get sexy. Everybody will get excited. And then Kentucky will grind them like sausages. Kentucky will grind that ass like a nice, good old-fashioned sausage. And next thing you know, LSU will get their ass beat by 10 or more. LSU lost three in a row. Came back. Nice win at South Carolina. Fantastic win, but it don't matter. Nope. I think you're going to be happy tonight because Indiana's going to win. If Indiana loses tonight, just burn the whole thing down. Have a great afternoon, everybody.